Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. <laughs> the croissants are ready in two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect time yeah, to, yeah. to start the pod. Hello and welcome to the World Cricket Show, the world's favourite cricket show. Back on the air this week in spite of ferocious popular demand. My name is Adam Bayfield and I'll be your host for this one. And with me as always is Tony Kerr. Hey. How's it going, Tony? Good. Very good. Long time no see. We seem to say that every single time we do one of these. It's been a while. So yeah, it has been a while. It's actually, yeah, our recording pattern is a mess, really. Over the years, so some, I mean, sometimes we we we, we did it like twice weekly at one point. I'm sure. Well, we did Ashes Daily for a while, didn't we? Um, <laughs> like ten years ago. Did we get to like the third day of the first test? <laughs> I think we got to day two of Brisbane, and then we were like, "No, this is too hard." <laughs> but we set up a Twitter account and everything, <laughs> yeah. which uh, you still have access to, I believe. You've been tweeting much from that. Maybe we should revive it this winter or next winter, rather. Yeah, maybe not this winter. <laughs> Suddenly start tweeting a load from Ashes Daily this winter. It might be a bit odd. But... I've got to start building up the audience. Yeah, it still exists. A daily podcast to accompany the World Cricket Show through the 2010-11 Ashes series. <laughs> what's, the, what's the latest tweet from there? The, the, the latest tweet is December the 4th, 2010. Peterson has been padded up for the best part of a week, it seems. Hashtag Ashes. <laughs> <laughs> Good to get the hashtag in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to be fair, I mean, that's, that's probably quite a prized Twitter handle. True. Yeah. True. I mean, we could, make, we could sell that for literally tens of pounds. To be fair, I think at Cricket Show is quite a prized Twitter handle as well. So Maybe that's where we'll, you know, that'll be the big payoff. Yeah, that's what this has <laughs> all been about, is we'll just sell the Twitter handles. <laughs> and then retire. And then call it a day. Sail off into the sun, never mm. speak again. How's it going anyway, Tane? Yeah, good, thanks. You've made my dream come true. It's uh, been a lifelong dream of mine that one day I'd turn up here to record a podcast and you'd have laid on a spread of croissants. Uh, and you did. There were croissants here. Well, there were croissants going in the oven when I arrived, which was lovely. Although we did discover that there's perhaps a reason why we haven't done this before or a reason why we shouldn't do it more, more often is that they're, uh, they're really not pod-friendly uh, yeah. comestibles, are they? <laughs> Literally the worst possible thing to try and eat while you're podding. We actually started recording. And then started eating, we're like, oh, we, we can't do this at the same time, we have to wait. So I've been record, I recorded 10 minutes. Of, uh, I'd forgotten that we were recording, I just realised that we were 10 minutes in, of just sounds of us chewing, just munching quietly. I mean, if anyone's got a technique that they've developed to eat a croissant one-handed and spread, spread the jam on it, I'd like to hear it, because then, you know, then maybe it would be possible, but yeah, holding this mic and... I mean, the crumbs would be everywhere. Well, yeah, I'm getting very greasy fingers all over my mic and laptop. So that's all good. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, yes, let's, uh, let's press on, Tony, because th- this is our Christmas special, actually, Christmas special of the World Greek Show. Listeners may not have picked up on that because I, I didn't make any of you know, sort of like hilarious Christmas gags in the intro. Didn't call you fat or anything like I normally <laughs> do. Um, but it is our Christmas special. Merry Christmas, Tony. You feeling Christmassy? Very, very festive. How many times have you watched Home Alone so far? Uh, zero, but, well, watched The Railway Children yesterday. I don't know if that's a Christmas film, but I haven't seen that. Well, it's not a Christmas film, is it? <laughs> no. But <laughs> um, I've never seen that before, so that it made me feel wholesome. But hey, uh, you know, well, I was hoping to be a fair, well, there has been a fair bit of cricket to distract us, hasn't there? Um, there certainly has Although there might be a little bit less over the next few days. That's true. Well, let's talk about that. Yeah, there is a lot of cricket going on. We've got lots to, to catch up on today and, and look ahead to, because, as you say, the... The winter of international cricket, or the summer, if, you, if you're in the Southern Hemisphere, uh, of international cricket is well underway. England are in South Africa, although possibly, as you alluded to, not for much longer. Uh, but India are in Australia, West Indies are in New Zealand, Pakistan are in New Zealand too. Uh, so yeah, we'll be talking about all of that today, uh, plus returning to one of our favourite 
discussion topics, which is the World Test Championship and whether it's a good idea. But let's start uh, with England, who, as I mentioned, are in South Africa for some white ball fixtures. They're back in South Africa, actually, Tone, for the second time this year. This may shock you. But uh, it was this year that they were in South Africa uh, when they won that test series and Ben Stokes won that game at Cape Town and Mark Wood took those wickets and Vernon Philander retired. That was all all this year, (laughs) pre-pandemic, but it was in 2020. Uh, That's probably the thing I'll remember most from 2020. So yeah, they've they've, uh, completed a T20 series. They're supposed to be playing an ODI series, but that might be called off. As we're recording this, it is Sunday morning, so... Listeners will probably know uh, by the time they're hearing this uh, what the score is. But um, at the moment, it's unclear. The first ODI has just been abandoned. It was supposed to be played on Friday. Uh, It was postponed till today, and it's now just been abandoned. On Friday, it was postponed because um, of the news that a couple of South Africa players had tested positive for COVID. Uh, And then this morning, um, it's, it's been called off because there have been some positive test results in the England touring party. We're not sure who but uh, uh, the whole touring party have uh, gone into self-isolation because uh, two members of the party we're not sure whether it's players or uh, coaching staff uh, have returned positive tests so that game's been abandoned there's supposed to be two more games to come uh, on Monday and Wednesday with England flying home on Thursday but it could very well be that um, they'll just uh, call it off at this point I don't there's not necessarily that much to say about this tone but um i suppose one thing that it does shine a light on is did we as cricket fans get a bit kind of complacent in thinking that it's just easy to um to pull off biosecure cricket i mean it just has like underlined what an amazing job the ecb and all involved uh, in the english summer did in you know returning no positive cases throughout the whole summer you know we talked about it before any of that cricket in england and you know, I had my doubts about whether it was even possible. I think a lot of people did. Um, and we said, you know, what will happen if there's a positive case? It's it's all very when it it's all very straightforward when it works, but what happens if it doesn't? Um and I think we said at the time we shouldn't, you know, take this for granted, even when it was working, because it's not guaranteed to continue. And this does show that it's we don't know what's happened, whether there have been breaches in protocol or not at the moment. We don't know what you know what has led to this, but it is it's quite a difficult thing to pull off isn't it yeah oh, exactly i think you're spot on you know the backdrop uh, to which the nations have been trying to organize or have been organizing cricket yeah um it, 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 as you say it's been it, it it only underlines how impressive that was in the summer yeah it's, it's a tricky one for us because we're recording with this news just coming out and by the time people are hearing it they'll probably know much more bit of breaking news on the pod <laughs> um but it's disappointing news but it does you know making anything biosecure is just very difficult especially when you know perhaps it's it might be easier in new zealand at the moment potentially to to pull off biosecure cricket there because covid rates are obviously so incredibly low uh, you know it's almost covid free but in some I, be, I believe there's a bit of a spike happening in cape town at the moment so it's just it's very difficult to keep the virus entirely out but i'm sure they'll look at what's happened whether it's people within the bubble breaching the protocol or whether it wasn't secure enough there's talk of you know maybe staff have been coming and going and, and not sort of breaking the rules but whether the rules were tight enough i don't know but it does just show it's very easy for the whole kind of thing to fall apart but hopefully it won't be necessary for that much longer because obviously you know we've had amazing news in the last couple of weeks regarding vaccines and vaccine what you know one of the vaccines being uh, approved for use in the uk supposed to be starting jabbing people on tuesday i think in the uk so trapping people you know fingers crossed uh you know next summer and next winter none of this will be necessary but you know for the time being it is still a very fragile business yeah quite but at least we got some yeah cricket away and some really eye-catching performances in that t20 series yeah well let's talk about that so yeah they, they, we did uh they did manage to get in a, a three-match t20 series and uh, that england would be pleased about that you know that it's if it does end up that they don't play the, these odis they'll be pleased that it was that way around at least because you know the t20 is very much where their heads are where their heads are at at the moment in the in the white ball stuff because they are obviously building towards the t20 world cup in india next year and there's another t20 world cup after that before the next 50 over world cup so you know that's what they want to concentrate on at the moment and they won the series three nil 
they uh, chased in all three games. The first one, they won by five wickets uh, with uh, an impressive knock from Johnny Bairstow, uh, batting down at number four, 86, not out from 48 balls. The second one, they won by four wickets. That was a bit closer. They were really wobbling at one point um, when chasing 146, uh, when they were 55 for three and then 83 for four. Uh, but David Milan, uh, with 55 from 40 balls, and Owen Morgan, 26, not out, got them over the line in the end. And then the third game was very comfortable, despite South Africa posting a much more challenging target. They made 191 for three, uh, with a great partnership from Fafti Plessis and uh, Rassi van der Dusen. He made 74, not out, from just 32 balls. But England, in their chase, just made it look very easy, that, uh, despite the early loss of Jason Roy, Milan and Joss Butler, an extraordinary partnership, a world record partnership, I believe, for the second wicket. Got England to the target with nine wickets and more than two overs to spare. Butler, 67, not out from 46 balls. And Milan, uh, agonisingly, 99, not out from 47 balls. So, yeah, 3-0, a 3-0 whitewash. So, what did you make of it, Tony? What was your your verdict on these uh, on these the Tony Kerr verdict on these three games? <laughs> what everyone's it, been waiting for. <laughs> was it, you know, in the end, were England just a bit too good? Is that, is that yeah, a story here? Yeah, I mean, it, the, the juggernaut kind of rolls on a bit, doesn't it? I, the, you just wouldn't want to bowl at them. That's, that's my key takeaway. You, you wouldn't. I yeah. really wouldn't. <laughs> no. Um, and you know, so it's, it, yeah, obviously, it's not a kind of this is not a, a classic South Africa side, is it? And I, I don't know. You know, they, they'd be outside bets for the World Cup next year, rather than you know, in and amongst the favourites. Uh, but. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the the, the partnership with, between you know, Butler and Milan in that that final final T Twenty, when you know, when you got two players producing that, and you know the other players that are sitting in the you know around watching it, you know, had they even you know, had they got through those those two, they still would have lost. Yeah, I mean, it's shaping up very nicely for England. Yeah, they still had Bestow, Stokes, Morgan to come, just sitting there twiddling their thumbs. It is. It's, we said it, but it's an embarrassment of riches in the most literal sense. It's an embarrassment. <laughs> it's it is embarrassing. Absolute embarrassment of riches. Um, well, yeah, when you know, you've got the likes of Sam Billings um, sitting on the bench, um, who obviously was you know fantastic in, in England in the summer. I mean, it is worth saying that they could easily have lost one, if not both, of the first two games. I mean, certainly in the second game, they were really wobbling and both went to last over finishes. But yeah, in the end, they've won this series with a bit to spare. With a bit to spare, and I think there's just a you know there's a bit of a gulf in class between these two teams. But as you say, it's not a vintage South Africa side. We talked about this plenty at the, at the beginning of the year on England's first tour about their difficulties at the moment, the fact they're very much in transition. Um, but there are there are some promising signs in terms of the players coming through. But yeah, they they were a, a long way short in the end, and, and England with this victory moved to the top of the T Twenty rankings. Um, does that seem right to you? You know, are are they the best T Twenty team in the world at the moment? Are they favourites for the the World Cup next year? Uh, well, yeah, yeah. There's probably not much to separate them in India. I think um, the fact that it's in India as well, yeah, maybe tips it towards India slightly. And uh, clearly, again, the kind of wealth of talent that they have at their disposal. You know, yeah, they won't be far off. It will probably be India and England. I think it's probably not. I'm not going out too far on a limb to say that. I mean, what England have now won, well, they've only lost one series in eight. Uh, they've won seven of the last eight series, T20 series. The, the last series they lost was against India a couple of years ago. It's going to be bloody exciting. That was when uh, Kuldeep Yadav um, kind of burst onto the scene, wasn't it? I suppose that that would be the thing, you know, just at this juncture, the thing why you might put India slightly ahead of them as is, as you say, because it's in India and not only will that suit India, but also some of the England batsmen. There are some incredibly good players that spin in there, but somebody like Jason Roy, who really struggled against um, George Linder in this series. Um, you know, And Roy, we both thought, was England's man of the tournament in the 50-over World Cup last year. You know, He might find life more difficult in India than he, than he would in another part of the world. Yeah, it's not necessarily their ideal. Um, and I mean, and that said, you know, it's probably a different situation to a few years ago. You know, Most of these players have got significant IPL experience this is true yeah um, okay albeit this this year wasn't you know, obviously played in India but similar conditions yeah, yeah. Um, so so in that in that sense yeah it's not probably as alien as it you know as it might have been they'll probably be quite comfortable in the setup and you know in those cities in those those grounds mm-hmm. um, but yeah but yeah it does it's not like 
it's not like it was, you know, five or ten years ago. We were like, well, they've got. Well, obviously, you'd have thought they had no chance anyway. But you'd have said they've got no because of the, you know, because of what they were like as a team then. But you'd say like, well, England <laughs> have got no chance of winning a tournament in India. But it's just it probably tilts the scales a little bit towards India. Whereas if, to make India slight favourites ahead of them, whereas if it was going to be in England, then it would it would be very much um, in England's favour. But I mean, w- without doubt, the man of the series was David Milan. Uh, he obviously finished with that 99 not out and he went into it as the number one T20 batsman in the world and some people may have thought that that was a fluke or a kind of false position and it is surprising given that less than a year ago he wasn't first choice for England but it's probably fair to say that in these few games he showed well not only that it's justified that he is first choice for England but that it's even justified that he's number one in the rankings well yeah I mean it is quite wild because it you know without being too you know his name just you know he's not a name you know it's not well, he's becoming a name he is becoming a name bloody quickly um and what you know he's the the highest rated t20 batsman ever isn't he now so, is that right I didn't yeah, realize that so it's, yeah 915 points the, the as, as Adam Collins pointed out on Twitter that yeah the, the, the highest rated test batsman ever Bradman ODI batsman Viv Richards right. T20 batsman David Milan <laughs> phenomenal um, I mean yeah that's still that is obviously a little bit silly um, well silly's the wrong word but you know it's it's <laughs> surprising um, to put it mildly but then the way he played in these games so he averaged eighty nine across the series and that ninety nine not out was. I think as good as inning, uh, good as good and innings as you will see in T Twenty cricket, just kind of like oozing quality, yeah. wasn't he? I hate the word oozing, um, but yeah, just like totally in command. Um, you know, just the kind of complete assurance that he was going to get the job done. And I really love watching him bat. Yeah, well. he's beautiful to really watch. Really good player to watch. So you know, the range of hitting, the timing, you know, some you know some some classic strokes in there, and some some sort of big golf swings yeah, down the ground. But uh, yeah, and you sort of contrast him to Butler, who occasionally, you know, he's sort of, it's almost brute force with Butler. I know he's got all the, the, the tricks as well and, you know, and the, um, the flicks and everything. But, but some of the shots that Butler plays, he just looks like he's kind of strong-arming it mm. over, over the, the boundary. Whereas, yeah, Milan was just, you know, the rhythm of his batting was, yeah, as you say, just very, very enjoyable to watch. It, it's, it is remarkable because, you know, in that... 2019 50 over World Cup win, you look at that England batting lineup. You know, we looked at that England batting lineup and said, well, this is obviously the best batting lineup that England have ever had. It's arguably one of the best batting lineups that's ever been in white ball cricket. I know this is a different format, but it's still, you know, it's still the case that that is as good a batting lineup as any team has ever had, really. And then Milan has forced his way into it and become the key player in it. You know, that it does go to show just how good he's been. It's it's pretty remarkable. Yeah, it, it, it is quite, yeah, it's wild. And, you know, when you think, you know, it's probably, it, it, T20 is the premier format in world cricket at the moment in terms of just eyes and you know, razzmatazz and, and, mm. and, 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 and yeah, box office money. Um, and, and, yeah, you think of the great players there are in, in, you know, around the world, as you say, not just in England. And, and there he is, yeah, as the, the highest rated player you know, in the, the relatively short history of T20 cricket. Yeah, it's, it's very cool. Sorry, I'm just chuckling because I've just realised I'm uh, drinking water from this bottle. And it's got like a what do you? How do you describe it? Okay, well, it's like a sports, sports squirt. Sports. I don't know, squirt cap. Is that? Yeah. So when I drink from it, it just sounds a bit like I'm kissing. Someone. <laughs> <laughs> it, just, it just sounds like whenever you make a good point, I just give you a quick smooch. Yeah, just going. Peck on the cheek. Just a quick peck on the cheek, just to uh, <laughs> just to let you know that you're really yeah. doing a good job there. Um, well, so one of the interesting things, so as I say, not only is Milan, he's forced his way into the team and he's, he's, he's shaken up that incredibly settled and incredibly successful batting lineup and forced the batting orders to change. So Owen Morgan said before the series that one of the key things they have to sort out in the next 12 months before that World Cup is the batting order. So yeah, they've got world-class batsmen everywhere you look, but potentially, you know, the challenges or what could yet be their undoing is, can you get them in the right order? Can you find an order that suits them all best kind of optimizes their performance so are you happy tone with what they've landed on at the moment we've got you know milan in at three and um, so roy and butler at the top bearstow at four then stokes at five and morgan at six are you happy with that yeah i'm not too unhappy 
Uh, Ed Smith is breathing a sigh of relief <laughs> to hear that. Um, it's, oh, it's very. It's hard to know what order you would you deploy those batsmen in because they, there's 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 a sort of strong case for any of them to open. I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I'm. Do you think it matters that I much? Well, I don't. I'm not sure. I don't know. You know, I was talking to someone about it last night, saying, you know, it, it's the You're co- talking to someone else about cricket. Yeah, I know. I was like, me. thank God, someone intelligent <laughs> to yeah you know, to bounce some ideas off. Yeah. Um, but you know, so talking about the idea of like a finisher in T20, you know, but in a way, you've just got to it's got to be like balls to the wall from ball one, haven't you? Eff- mm. Effectively, and just and keep going. Um, so I, yeah, in a way, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not really too bothered about what order they they play them in. Yeah, that's kind of, I suppose, that's the decision you've got to make, isn't it? Is with particularly with Joss Butler, do you want him to be in at five or six as the finisher, or do you think that? as you say, the idea of a finisher isn't quite as relevant anymore. Mm. And maybe you want, if Butler is arguably the best of the lot, apart from maybe Milan, um, do you want him to be batting for as long as possible? And the, and this this is what has been the disruptive factor is that they've, you know, what was so settled with uh, Roy and Bairstow and then Morgan Butler-Stokes in, in the middle order, they've moved Butler to the top and that has kind of, and then Milan at three has kind of, thrown up all these questions i think they should possibly stick with or go back to roy and bairstow just because it was such a successful partnership butler does have such a successful you know proven record as a finisher as someone a bit lower down i don't know that you necessarily need to change that or are you getting that much benefit from changing that but then you know bairstow obviously did really well at four in this series as you as you say, maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe I mean, yeah, um, arguably like Butler and Bester are interchangeable. It might depend on the day. Who's how in the feeling, rhythm? Who's, you know, yeah, who's in form? And probably whatever they come up with will be fine. Yeah. Um, but what you don't want is to have any doubt. You know, for any of them to be feeling any doubt about what their role is or what they're supposed to be doing, as long as they know what it is and they've all got the confidence to go out and execute, then I think probably whatever they come up with. Then well, the role is just to go in and tee off, isn't it? <laughs> well, possibly, yeah, but well, I suppose so. But they still need to know, even if it's just... Who's, who's padding up? Who's padding up, yeah. Do they need to try and find their box yet or not? <laughs> yeah. What time do they need? <laughs> just scrabbling through their kit bags, old mouldy sandwiches, and <laughs> sabutio. But, I mean, the thing is, you, I mean, you could make a strong case for... Uh, any one of those six being England's best batsmen, and, and you want those, you want your best players to, to have the opportunity to face the most balls. Mm. I mean, I, I don't know. I, like, oh, clearly, you know, Milan is probably walking around the dressing room now, you know, cock a hoop, strutting <laughs> around, strutting around. <laughs> but as you say, you know, but you know, Butler is is an astonishing batsman. But yeah, you know, an informed best though, yeah, is as good as anyone. You know, Owen Morgan is probably like the best. <laughs> the white ball batsman in the world I don't know it's like yeah it's well, exciting yeah. and then Roy is the one that we've always thought is, and then Stokes with... is England's best batsman <laughs> <laughs> true I mean Morgan is the one that I think at six is that re- is, do we really want Morgan at six that seems too low because he is probably the best <laughs> but then as you say like whoever's at six you'd probably say that about I mean Bairstow was absolutely phenomenal I thought in that first game um, and you know that's a really good sign that he came in at four and was able to do that he didn't feel any of that doubt so um so yeah i think you know it's probably interchangeable it, he best though is brilliant to watch <laughs> when he bats like that i mean maybe the yeah. best maybe the best of the bunch but <clears throat> i don't I, you said you didn't really see much of that first game but it's brutal hitting but in a really kind of controlled way yeah, like, and i've caught of, up with the highlights it's quite funny actually watching the highlights just with with Mark Nicholas on commentary yeah it, his commentary style just doesn't really suit 10 minute highlight edits because <laughs> it'll just It'll just, he doesn't really say it. He just goes, wow, like, oh, and then it's like onto the next highlight. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's just starts laughing. It's just dreamy. Like, <laughs> dreamy stroke. Dreamy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's the way he kind of like checks the shot and just holds it. Um, and, the, and it flies out the ground for six. It is, let's say, it's kind of like controlled brutality. I mean, Which, as some... you know, is the uh, title of my upcoming <laughs> autobiography. <laughs> Sorry, come on. There was, I mean, there was talk ahead of the series, you know, people saying that, that Root's sniffing around, you know, he wants, you know, he still wants, you know, part of it. I mean, I don't see how a you place get him for in. Him. Yeah, it's almost impossible. I mean, the, the, the only thing potentially, I guess, for heading to India is, yeah, is, a, is a second spin option, which, which England don't really have. 
or that, that certainly isn't really much room for. Mm. Um, what? So you think Root could have a role there? I mean, if if he's up for it, then he's. I, I would definitely. <laughs> I think he might be up for it. Yeah. <laughs> and I would definitely have him in the squad. But no, you know, because Ed Smith has said, well, if he's not going to play, then we won't have him in the squad. Yeah, like to give him a break, and he doesn't have to be kind of endlessly. You know, he doesn't have to be touring on tour for that long. He may as well just go home and be with his family and you know, have a break and refresh and be ready for the next test or ODI assignment. But if he's happy to be in the squad and just carrying the drinks, then I think, you know, he's a huge asset to Good have as anyone to do on the bench. Um, but he doesn't get in the first choice team at the moment, I don't think. Um, we'll move on uh, to uh, Australia in a sec. But just just looking at the bowling, what, one question I wanted to ask, how do you, because I don't think I've ever asked you this, Tone, how do you feel about Tom Curran? <laughs> He got uh, he got clattered at times in this series. Is he? Would he be in your uh, first choice England team? Because he's keeping Mark Wood out of the side at the moment. I think it's, I think he's got a way to go, hasn't he? He's got a little bit to prove for sure. And it, I mean, it, it's tough because you know, in a team with with Archer and and you know and Rashid, um, you know, he's there, he, you know, he's always going to be overshadowed somewhat. I'm fairly indifferent at the moment. Oh, I'm ambivalent. Is that the right word? Mm. Or indifferent? No, I don't know. Indifferent like, implies you don't care. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, true. You've got to give him a bit more time. What do you think? Well, he's been around. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's, he's been not, around yeah, for he's a little done, while. He's a few matches, but I suppose, like, I, I, I just don't necessarily rate him, or I don't quite understand what why he's in the team ahead of someone like Mike Wood or even David Willey, who offers something a bit different. I think that's the thing: is that it it, it makes the attack more one dimensional when Curran plays. And but then I, you know, I've said that before. Like I've te- I've texted my brother to say what is Curran doing in the team, you know, as he runs into bowl, and then he's really, you know, I did that in the series against Australia, and he was really good. So, I, but I just do think there are better options. So I'm a bit surprised that they're placing so much faith in him. But his brother's development as a this will cheer him up. His brother's development as a as a T20 player, I think is a really useful thing for England because he, in test cricket, Sam Curran can look a little bit one-dimensional. Like you think, well, if the ball doesn't swing, then he's got problems. But I think in, in T20, he obviously had a good IPL. He is developing quite an impressive array of, you know, in, inventory of uh, of cutters and slower balls and things like that. So that, and that I think could be really important for England because he is a proper batsman. And as you say, um, England, not sure who their second spinner would be. That's because of, you know, Moeen Ali, uh, has has lost his way, although he's still in the squad. But Moeen was really, I think, critical in terms of balancing the team. Someone who could, you know, a genuine batsman who could bat at seven and be a frontline bowler. And without Moeen, when Tom Curran was batting at seven in the summer, that suddenly that tail looked much weaker. But with Sam Curran, with his brother at seven, that you know, I'm, I'm much happier about that. So I think I think that's an important thing for England. Um, do you want to talk, before we move on, do you want to talk about these coded signals from the balcony or, or yeah, do you think it's a non-story? A, a little bit, we could, yeah. Do you want to d- remind the listeners what's happened with this? Um, yeah, so but, yeah, basically these kind of coded messages appeared on the balcony, the, 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 the team analyst flipping over clipboards with letters and numbers on who knows what they mean or you know, what they're trying to suggest. But um, yeah, it caused a bit of consternation. And it, unsurprisingly, Michael Vaughan came out <laughs> swinging. <laughs> came out, yeah. Um, oh, well, as other people said, you know, it's just a kind of, you know, it is, it is what it is. Like messages have always been kind of transmitted mm. from the dressing room to the middle. But yeah, it, it led a few people to question that, you know, what was it within the spirit of the game? I mean, it, do, I, I, it doesn't make me too angry. What was it? So it was when you say coded signals, it was things like a number and it was basically yeah, a number and like a letter. A couple wasn't of it? clipboards where you sort of pin like 4E or something mm. or like C1. I think. So presumably, like that's different strategies or different yeah. um, tactics, plans that he's saying, you know, ex- execute this now. Or as England have said, it's not saying do this, it's saying this it's is sort of updated info, live is a info. Recommendation <sighs> from the analyst. I mean, I. I, I the, I think any suggestion that it's not within the spirit of the game, I think, is is a bit ludicrous. Um, and and you know, some people were, or some people got quite hot under the collar about it, and sort of suggested, you know, as England have often been the ones to, you know, the valiant defenders of the spirit of the mm. game, um, and so it's sort of a bit rich for them to to be doing this. But I, I don't really, I don't really get the issue. When you hear the description of what they're trying to do, it does sound quite joyless and like sucks some of the fun out. <laughs> yeah. I can't remember what the, the analyst is called. Um, Nathan Lehman. Yeah. It might Nathan. be Lemon. Lehman, I think. Nathan. Nathan. Call him, call him. <laughs> Big Nate. Nathan. Um, 
you know, their description of what they were doing, he said, you know, effectively, obviously, they've got strategies, they've kind of crunched the numbers ahead of the game, but but during the match, they're kind of running simulations and projections and stuff, yeah. and they're just update, and it just it just does sound a bit... Well, they described it in the statement, they described it as a live informational resource to draw on, and I think, you know, whatever you think about whether or not this is against the spirit of the game, they possibly don't help their case with that kind of bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> but... um you know, as as a statement, but um, and, and and as you say, it's, it's perhaps a bit joyless, which is something we've complained about before with I, stuff like Winviz. Um, but clearly, they they certainly haven't broken any rules. You know, they they explicitly cleared it with the match referee beforehand, so it's hard to make a, a case against them in that sense. It does feel a bit weird. I think it's a bit of a weird thing to do. Um, and Mark Wood um, in press said you know, was asked about it and he kind of dismissed it and said, oh, you know, it's just, you know, it doesn't matter. It's, I'm, I'm sure Owen Morgan's got better things to do. He won't take too much notice of it. In which case, like, well, why do it then? Yeah. You know, I, I don't understand why you're doing it if Owen Morgan's not going to take any notice of it. So, but I don't think it is a, against the spirit of the game because, as you say, messages are passed back and forth from the dressing room all the time. Whenever, you know, whenever drinks come on or the subfielder, I'm sure... Then a message goes out. And, but then I sp- it made me think a bit about how some sport, like different sports just have a very different attitude to this stuff. Like in tennis, it's just mm. a massive no-no. No coaching. This is obviously what happened with um, Serena Williams in the 2018 US Open final where that row started because she was given a code violation because her coach, Patrick Moratogli, was spotted kind of giving her a signal like coaching and you just absolutely can't do that. Whereas in football, obviously the manager's just on the touchline yelling instructions yeah. all the time in cricket it's maybe a slightly it's a little bit in between it's not something i'd ever really given that much thought to but i don't really see how it can be against the spirit for the coaching staff to be sharing information but, but you know when they go in for a break in, in test cricket when they go off for tea or whatever obviously they're discussing things i just don't really mm. see yeah that I, know, it's I, a problem. I agree it's i agree just it's weird but it doesn't bother me yeah i mean i'm i'm willing to be convinced about all the kind of all this number crunching that goes on in the background. Now, clearly, there is value to a certain extent. Mm. Um, I kind of, I'm slightly more though. I slightly more lean towards the idea that you've just got to kind of bat and bowl better uh, and take your catches. <laughs> yeah. Like I, at, at some point, like there'll be people listening to that who think that, I'm an idiot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely moronic. But I, I think it, for me, it's like it's in between. You know, I think I think clearly all that data and and science and you know algorithms have made a difference ha- have you know helped create this kind of but, well, marginal that's increase yeah. improvement but i think you can just take it way too far and get too obsessed with it sorry go on yeah well you know you look we you know, talked about obviously england going from you know where they were as a white ball team in the kind of mid noughties which was mm. you know appalling and pathetic yeah to now being like the most pretty much the most destructive white ball batting lineup in the world like how much of that has been down to the kind of number crunching in the background or you know is it just a sort of mentality shift that's taken place mm. um i don't know I, or is it a golden generation i don't yeah. think that's quite true but it because clearly there's a lot of other very good batsmen white ball batsmen around but that might be part of it too that they, they are just blessed with some extremely good players at the moment in five years' time, it might not. They might not be quite as good as this with a raft of new batsmen. It's important. It's clearly useful, but I, I wouldn't. I don't like the idea of anyone like relying on it too much. But that's kind of what they were saying. It's like yeah, it's just true. for Owen Morgan's information. It doesn't mean that he has to act on it. When I saw it, it did make me think of that um, Crystal Maze clip. With the guy who was it like? It's like four D. It's U three. Yeah, it's like Owen Morgan looking at it, be like E, like C one. What does that mean? Just be like U three. Press U three. I'm coming out. I'm coming out. There's two minutes left. U three. <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. All right, well, let's move on, Tone, um, to Australia, because India are there for their first internationals uh, post-pandemic. I suppose it's not post-pandemic, post-beginning post of pandemic. Um, we've had some ODIs, which Australia won relatively comfortably. 2-1, only losing the dead rubber. They racked up some huge totals in the first two games. In Sydney, uh, with Steve Smith scoring hundreds in both. There are some T20s happening at the moment. India won the first one, didn't they? Am I right in saying that? Bit of controversy in that one as well. Go on. Yeah, India won that one by 11 runs. Um, but yeah, Jadeja, well, India batted first. Yeah, Jadeja made 44, 23 balls. I think he, he pulled up, uh, we used to pull the hamstring at, at some stage in the innings and then subsequently top edged one into his helmet and, and was... was um, substituted at half time at the, at the break uh, a concussion substitute but yeah but yeah some some hot heads after this one because uh yeah india replaced him with chahal as a like for like substitute and yeah the australians didn't see it as like for like mm. and then yeah he came in uh Chahal came in and what did he take uh took three for 25 man of the match it's obviously a big debate in football at the moment about concussion substitutes but maybe you know obviously it's it's essential but it's it is an interesting thing in cricket where you do have such different roles and if it is an all-rounder who goes off halfway through the game when there's only you know one of the two disciplines to come then then it yeah and you bring in you bring in a, a an out and out bowler yeah it does get a bit tricky i think yeah i think possibly you know yeah in the spirit of the rule is it yeah de- determining a like for like then it yeah then it wasn't they didn't play by the rules. No, but then is there an, is there a like for like in the squad? If you know, if it's an all rounder, yeah. I mean, I mean, clearly as well. Like, if it, if the shoe was on the other foot, Australia wouldn't have replaced. Yeah, they, they wouldn't exactly have taken out um, mm. an all rounder replacement with a batsman, would they? For this for the second innings, but I, I don't know. It's uh... well, they've just won the second T Twenty as well. India, um, they needed fourteen off the last over. This is more breaking news on the World Cricket Show. It's literally just happened. They needed 14 off the last over and Hardik Pandya has hit two sixes um, to win the game and the series with uh, two balls to spare. So, yeah, as you say, as he said earlier, India's T20 team uh, looking pretty good with a year to go till the World Cup. But the thing, uh, you know, obviously the thing that everyone's most looking forward to is the test series, which starts on the 17th of December. There's four tests. How much are you looking forward to it? So, how, well, for... Key question: How much? Are you, how much are you looking forward to the Boxing Day Test this year? Yeah, big. That is massive, isn't it? Um, like this year, more than any other year, that feels like something to really enjoy. Hundred percent. Yeah, it's going to be. Uh, it's going to be. A, a, yeah, a very, very interesting series. Yeah, arguably, it's the sort of first, as you say, since the pandemic. It's the first kind of really mouth-watering clash we've had. I think. Mm. Um, so yeah, buzzing. True. Although. Uh, I don't want to be negative about it, but I, not very long ago, I would have been pumped for this series in a way that I would have thought this would have been like, I thought it would be like an absolutely kind of titanic concept, like one of the sort of era defining series between probably the, the best team of this era, India, and then Australia, not that far behind them and at home. I mean, obviously two years ago, India won in Australia and that was their first ever test series in Australia, but that was an Australia team in transition and they didn't have Steve Smith and David Warner, whereas They've obviously improved a lot in in the intervening twenty four months. So yeah, it was looking like this could be a contest between two very good teams at the top of their game, and I really would have found it difficult to call. And that could still be the case, but just two two things have like slightly um, 
rained on my chips or whatever. But firstly, I think COVID has changed things a bit. I just don't know if anything is going to quite have the impact that it normally would. Perhaps that's... I think that's fair. I, I don't know, because obviously, as we talked about, I really, really enjoyed the cricket in England in the summer. But just somehow, I don't know, cricket in the pandemic just doesn't... Any sport in the pandemic just feels slightly different, doesn't it? Just a little yeah, bit of the edge is, is gone. Well, hopefully, though, I mean, yeah, hopefully we sort of turned the corner and can can start to enjoy those things mm. in a more kind of usual way yeah. now. Um but then that's it, just not the case everywhere. Is it? It's really, it's really difficult. Yeah, I'm not sort of expressing myself very well because I think it's not that I'll enjoy it any less, but it just perhaps feels a little bit less significant, I think is the point. Like it feels more like something that is there to kind of distraction. lift our spirits and distract us yeah. rather than something that like really means a lot. Um, but, but then maybe once it gets going and if we have close games and stuff, maybe I'll feel differently. Um, and secondly, the other thing um, is that uh, Virat Kohli uh, is going to miss three of the four games. So he's playing the first test, but missing uh, two, three and four because he's going back to India um, on paternity leave, um, which is, you know, goes without saying um, the right thing to do, but is clearly a bit of a setback for India and perhaps just means, you know, while it's still an incredibly good team, that's, you know, undoubtedly he's their best player. And so, you know, they've still got Pajara, they've still got KL Rahul, it's still a strong batting lineup. And then, you know, the thing that has made the difference and turned India into the best team in the world in the last few years is that their bowling attack is one of the best in the world. And so that's still the case, you know, still Bumrah and Shami and Kuldeep Yadav and Ashwin and all those guys. So it doesn't completely uh, destroy their hopes, but it just does mean it's it's not quite as formidable a team. It it could, you know, it could still very much be that Titanic battle, I might have imagined. But whereas two years ago, Australia weren't quite at their best, now you'd say India aren't quite their best. So we've just, there's just been a kind of um, yeah. you know, ships passing in the night thing where we just haven't quite had those two teams at their absolute best for either test series, which I think is just a little bit of a shame. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a, a fair point. I mean, hope, yeah, that's a, hopefully yeah, that little controversy in the, um, uh, in the T20 series, you know, will inject a little bit of extra heat in there, mm. you know, just, just, you know, get the, get the blood pumping a bit. Um, I think it'll still be a really good series, yeah. actually. Um, I think India have definitely still got a good chance, for sure. That bowling attack does mean they're always going to be in the game, aren't they? So, um, But they are going to be, you know, they're going to need Pajara to have the kind of series that he had in Australia two years ago. We don't like to just frame everything, you know, in a sort of as part of Ash's build-up, but... Uh, Hang on, let me open up the Ashes Daily <laughs> Twitter yeah. account. I'll just well, what are you going to say? I'll tweet it out. But you know, it'll be it'll be an interesting, um, interesting, interesting, and slightly frightening. I think the way Australia are, are developing towards next winter, mm. it could be pretty tough for England. What makes you say that? Well, you know, specifically, give me some specifics. Well, it, I mean, the batting lineup is is only sort of seemingly getting stronger. Obviously, you know, Smith is still at the top of his game Labashane, mm. you know is, is kind of really emerged as a as a like a, a top top level player um top top level top top level mm. you know obviously David Warner when he gets going is you know is as good as he is, is as good as there is in his position you, you know this you've got they've got a couple of young players who are starting to come through I mean Pukowski has been on the radar hasn't he for for a few years and and you know, has had troubles mental health issues which have kind of prevented him kind of nailing down a spot but it seems like he's starting to come into some sort of um rhythm uh, mm. and yeah and, and kind of making making a play for things so yeah he's i don't a know prodigious talent yeah isn't he? and you know he's been racking up the runs recently mm. yeah another year yeah i mean who knows you, you, you know i guess they, they won't want to be putting too much pressure on him and and nor will there be much pressure when you've got those other batsmen around mm. um but yeah australia could have a pretty tasty batting lineup by this time next year. Uh, and then you, you marry that with the, the fast bowling options they've got. It's a good team, isn't it's it? Gonna, I mean, it's going to be... Yeah. Well, especially in Australian yeah. conditions. It's, I do think Australia are, you know, are clear favourites for this series, especially because India are without Cody. But it still could be really good. And actually, the more the more we talk about it, the more excited I am. Get, I, am I am really looking forward to it. Um, because I think, it, you know, it could be really close but I, th- I think Australia will be much more confident this time than they were two years ago and rightly so um, and will you know perhaps be out for well to prove a point maybe and now they've got Smith and Warner back and they'll feel more like this is the you know this is the real us 
Justin Lang has, you know, been getting them all to watch A Star Is Born just to get them really <laughs> pumped up. Um, just banging out the shallows, as, you know, in the dressing room before they go out there. Emotional. I'm sure they'll be. Uh, I'm sure they'll be up for it. All right. Well, moving on because we still got, well, we need to rattle through a couple of things. Um, West Indies are in New Zealand and uh, for a two test series, and that has that first test has just finished, um, and New Zealand won it pretty comfortably. In the end, uh, they batted first and racked up 519 for seven, declared with Tom Latham make, making 86 and Kane Williamson. Uh, a career high score of 251, a pretty astonishing innings uh, from the New Zealand captain. Uh, and although West Indies uh, made a solid start in their reply, they were no wickets down at the end of day two. And, you know, perhaps thinking they might be able to uh, bat long and, and force a draw. Um, but when I woke up after the third day, I was like, oh, because they'd uh, lost 15 wickets to be bowled out for 138 and they were five down. And that has uh, been wrapped up. On the fourth morning, uh, Western East 247 all out. Again, wickets shared around with four for Saudi in the first innings and four for Wagner in the second innings. So New Zealand won by an innings and 134 runs. I thought this would be quite an entertaining test series, Tony. It may yet be. The second game might be much closer. Uh, but, you know, I think these are two good teams. Um, but there is, there's a bit of a gap between them. And, I, you know, I do think New Zealand are one of the very best teams in the world at the moment. And in home conditions, they're actually imperiously good aren't they they beat India 2-0 earlier this year they haven't even lost a test match at home for three and a half years uh, which was the last time they lost a series when South Africa won 1-0 and that was a you know that was a very very good South Africa team uh, back then yeah they're, they're they're extremely tough to beat at home and I'm not sure West Indies have have quite got the the tools quite got the the ammo to do it um, but yeah, it's a match defined, you would say, by that that Williamson innings. Here's a question for you: How good is Kane Williamson? <laughs> yeah, he's all right, isn't he? I mean, <laughs> yeah. The the photos of the pitch were were catching some eyes, weren't they? Uh, before the start of the game. Before the start of the game. Yeah. I mean, it, you could barely discern it from the the outfield. It was, it that, was that green. green. Yeah. Um, yeah, and when you look at you know you look at the uh, the way everyone else got on around Williamson, you obviously laid them. Um, put on a, a decent partnership with Williamson before he went, but then yeah, no one else really stuck around. Um, so it's, yeah, it's very impressed. So he, he was on, you know, he, he didn't have a, uh, a great series, did he, against India? He'd made one score of note. Um, likewise, yeah, against Australia at the end of last season. So, we, we, you know, it's obviously New Zealand's first test match for a little while. Mm. Um, he certainly hadn't been pulling up trees, uh, you know, in those previous two series, but, I mean, yeah, there's, a, there's no doubting his class, is there? Yeah, if you have, I was thinking about this. This might be, this is a, perhaps something to return to because it might take, it might be a long conversation. But if you had to pick one batsman, if you were, if you were picking blind for a cricket match that was going to start tomorrow and you didn't know what format it was going to be and you could pick one batsman from anywhere in the world, I was thinking it might, for me, it might be Williamson. If you didn't know if it was going to be a test, an ODI or a T20. Interesting. Possibly Coley. I mean, obviously Smith, but Smith, Smith maybe just not bang two centuries in in, in, in ODIs, ODIs, but maybe in T Twenty, not quite as ben devastating. Yeah, not a bad shout. Yeah, he can chuck the ball around as well. Mm. Um, I don't know; it's something we can come back to. But William, you know, but Williamson is just—he's just class, isn't he? Just classy, oozes class, doesn't he? Oozing, <laughs> he's just absolutely oozing with class. Yeah, tough, tough outing for West Indies. I mean, on paper, they've got a bowling attack that should do well in New Zealand you know someone like Jason Holder you'd think is just kind of factory made for those conditions isn't he but and as you say it was one of the greenest pitches you'll ever see so in a way maybe slightly surprising that they didn't make more breakthroughs on day one but yeah Latham Latham is a quality player and he played a good innings and then as you say the rest of the batting lineup didn't stick around in quite the same way it was just a world-class innings from a world-class player uh, and for West Indies you know the, the batting continues to be there Achilles heel doesn't it and they've left out Shea Hope now which I think makes sense given his his wretched form but it's not a good sign is it because you know he's clearly one of the brightest talents in the Caribbean so if he's struggling so much that he can't uh, make the touring party then it's probably not a good thing and you know anywhere they play the batting is a bit of an issue but in New Zealand against Bolt Wagner Southey and now Carl Jameson as well it's just big problems isn't it so they need they need their bowlers to be like 10 out of 10 
every game every innings um there's, so there's just a lot of pressure on them and if then if they're only eight out of ten against someone like williamson it's it's not going to be enough yeah um, exactly and then you know you look at the batting like craig brathwaite scored big runs in the tour match in the warm-up ahead of it and then and then failed twice particularly when you're, you're faced with trying to dig out after shipping you know, 519 in the in the first innings you need like brathwaite you know you need someone like him if you're western East to to dig mm-hmm. in and and offer some resistance. Well, he's a bit of a frustrating player in some ways because he's he's got more talent than he's delivering on at the moment. But I, it's always a bit tricky, though, isn't it? To, because I mean, I suppose this is the job, isn't it? But they've been they've been in the field for 145 overs. Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, I'm not. I'm certainly not being. I'm not digging them out too much. I think. No, I think you're right. And well, New Zealand have got a very very good bowling attack. Yeah, we, we, you know cricket is difficult when one team piles on the runs in the first innings and then you've got to try and you know it, mentally it's a you know it's a mental mountain to climb isn't it after that cricket is difficult i think mean, we can, <laughs> just, it is, we can yeah. just stop it there i mean the thought of spending 140 overs in the field is just like <laughs> you know it's bad enough 16 overs mm. well it's like when you when you turn up to play for you know guernsey evening league three <laughs> It's annoying when it goes from 16 overs to 20 overs. You're like, oh, are we playing 20 tonight? It's like, oh, come on. Or they say like, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's been a little bit of rain earlier, so we're reducing it down to 14. You're like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that just, just suggests that we don't enjoy playing cricket as much as we should. Yeah. Um, well, anyway, uh, one more test to come in that series. It's not on TV in the UK, which is a bit annoying. Um, but it is on YouTube. There's good highlights on YouTube. So um, I recommend that. And actually... Given my current life circumstances, it's not as if I'd be staying up all night <laughs> yeah. to watch it anyway. I can't even make, I wouldn't even make the 10 o'clock start. So um, YouTube highlights is probably probably the thing that suits me anyway. One more thing to discuss then, Tim. You wanted to talk about the World Test Championship. Back up for discussion. I mean, you'll note that we haven't mentioned it at all in discussing any of the results or, or you know, upcoming test series. It's not something that we've, you know, considered important enough to mention until now. So perhaps that gives us you know that kind of uh that's a spoiler for for what we might discuss now but um yeah it's back up for discussion this uh after greg barkley who is the new the newly elected chair of the icc questioned whether it should or would continue beyond the first final which is scheduled uh for next june so his quote was um i'm just not quite sure it's entirely fit for purpose and perhaps has achieved what we might have hoped it would it's kind of up for grips i'm oh, we'll really have- struggling yeah. <laughs> and we'll have a look at it sorry it's uh <laughs> it's been a while yeah it? it's kind of up for grips and we'll have a look at it um it's oh it's just absolutely hectic that's what i need to do to kind of get me into the my new favorite word in new zealand, in new zealand accent is uh magnetic oh it's just <laughs> absolutely magnetic <laughs> um anyway that's uh that's the quote he's not sure it's entirely fit for purpose uh, kind of implying that it it might be for the scrap heap after next summer what do you reckon time what do you what do you make of the world test championship at this point i don't even know what the i mean the i'm, looking, I'm looking at the, the the table is baffling i think we've discussed it we've, we've sort of mentioned this before i mean it, it's obviously not the pandemic hasn't helped has it mm. um you know it's not i'm sure it's the sort of top of everyone's list of worries <laughs> when the when you know when the a devastating virus emerged no. what will this mean for the world test championship mm. um but i mean that yeah it certainly hasn't helped i don't know it's a bit Clearly, they're, 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 you know, they've made some adjustments to, uh, to, to how things will, will run. And I, I, God knows whether the final will have any meaning at all or you know, quite how it'll work. But I, I think they've got to let it, at least this first one play out, have they, have they not, before? Well, yeah, and they're, and they're going to. Yeah. But do you mean let it play out and then make a decision? Yeah, I think so. Because um, it, it might be that, that when the final gets played, it might be like an absolutely awesome event and, mm. uh, and something everyone's kind of buzzing for and you know and then you think well hang on that that was brilliant we need to yeah maybe finesse the fort or how it all works or whatever but but we want to recreate this amazing final mm. or final series or is, is it a one-off final i, I believe it's just a one-off yeah. test. yeah um but yeah i mean i don't know you look at the table it, i don't it's it's who knows everyone's played different numbers of matches there's columns points pct RPW is the PCT the percentage because they have changed it. Is what I'm saying because of the pandemic, they decided to change it from a points per game format to just a win percentage. 
mm. which actually changed who was at the top of the table. Australia, yes, yeah, so Australia are top now. Frogged India, although you know hasn't changed the fact that it will be. It's looking like it will be those two teams that contest the final. Yeah, I mean, this will shock you, Tony, but I haven't really changed my mind. Yeah, <laughs> um, I you know had big reservations about it ever since it was first mooted. All the things that I was worried about, I think, are are coming to pass. Like I, I wouldn't be too critical of them for you know the, the people who've devised and implemented it because I think it's a nice idea and it's trying to tackle a problem which does exist, which is the kind of lack of context in Test cricket, and particularly for smaller t- or the non-big three nations who don't have those kind of marquee series like the Ashes or Australia, India to look forward to. But it just doesn't quite work for me. And there are just some sort of like inherent problems in any uh, idea like this because, you know, you can't really do it in less than two years, which is what they've got at the moment. But two years for me is just too long a time to kind of sustain interest in a tournament like this. And then the other thing is that it can be counterproductive. It can actually have the opposite effect from what they're trying to achieve, which is that it can make series between teams who have no prospect of qualifying for the final actually less significant than they would otherwise be you're sort of, you know instead of west indies v sri lanka having some kind of context of it so you're sort of, if they can't qualify for the final a year into the tournament are you kind of saying to them well actually this series doesn't matter in a way that you weren't before so i, I think the problem for me is it's a half measure like if you're mm. if you're serious about it if you're serious about having a test championship and you know and doing all this to create a kind of structure of context for test cricket you've got to do it properly and introduce two or more divisions and have promotion and relegation to make every series have some meaning and jeopardy but they're never going to do that because obviously the then you're it's possible that england and australia or australia and india or england and india will be in different divisions and you won't have those kind of money-making series for a couple of years so or, or a year so it just isn't something they're going to do. But that means for me that you can't really do anything of this nature. You've got to look at, at other ways of, of adding context. Or just, for me, it's about just raising the quality of, of long-form cricket around the world, like putting some money into, into Red Bull domestic tournaments and things to, to incentivize players to, to play more of it and, and improve their skills. Because I think when Test Cricket... And, and to be fair, there's been a lot of very good test cricket in the last few years. But when test cricket is good, people care about it. When it's, you know, when, when it's a good contest between bat and ball and um, it's exciting, people aren't too worried about the fact that it, it doesn't have a kind of broader context. It's only when it's flat pitches and boring one-sided games that people go, well, what's the point of any of this? Does that make, does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think I agree with everything you just said. Um, <laughs> Brilliant. I think... I think it, they kind of had to do it in a way. The fact that people were, there were, you know, there was a lot of people kind of calling for something like that. Yeah, to give it a go. And yeah, I don't think it's, it should be no shame if it's failed. It's, you know, it answers a few questions potentially, even if the answer is that didn't work, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, they've, they've tried. They're, yeah. they're to be applauded for trying, I think. I mean, there's so many challenges and, and moving parts, as you say, in terms of like trying to improve test cricket as a whole, you know, that, they should be trying to find a way as well to, to get Ireland and Afghanistan mm. on the board, which they're obviously really struggling with. And, you know, Ireland have been kind of very unlucky and also slightly screwed over by their entry into to test cricket. But you know, when you look, at the, 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 you look at the teams on the board in test cricket, there are series that we you look at and think, oh, I'm not really that excited about. But that kind of shouldn't be the case. You know, down, you know Zimbabwe obviously is a bit of a unique example but every other side in there should be, should and could be a, a top of the table test team. Mm. Clearly, there are massive advantages. You know, or clearly, countries like or the big three, yeah, you know, have their inbuilt advantages. But you know, we should be getting excited about series, you know, England series, and against any other nation, not just an Ashes. Um, and likewise, you know, those those, they, they, yeah, they've got to try and find a way for those countries to be excited about facing, you know about just climbing up that, that rank, their rankings board. I think actually getting to number one is, is probably as good an achievement. Well, that, that should feel like a test championship victory in, yeah. in its own right. Yeah. Yeah. And I know, well, people, listeners have heard me say this before, but, and not many people seem to agree with me, but for me, it's about having less test cricket, but longer series. So 
stop playing these like you know playing like lots of random two test series and concentrate on just like one or two five match five matches sorry i'm getting a bit emotional about this five match series a year um because i think five match series do have a context and a meaning and a significance of their own um whereas two test series that are often played in inside two weeks are very kind of uh forgettable forgettable yeah or can be very forgettable um that would be the way i'd go but i don't think they're going to do that but they're also not as i say going to do two divisions or conferences which could be a better system you know not a kind of uh, tiered structure but have just divide them into two divide the teams into two conferences and then have a playoff between the two which would allow you to do it in a shorter time frame and but it's just that's not going to happen but this this format they got at the moment is kind of neither fish nor foul isn't it so it just it doesn't really work so yeah could be could be heading for the bin speaking of which i think uh, i think that's about it for the world cricket show this time around as well uh we will be back soon because yeah there's obviously lots of cricket coming up this winter um we might even have something very special for you on christmas day uh if you're very lucky if you write a very nice letter to father christmas have you written your christmas list <laughs> this year Tony? this actually this really made me laugh uh, mutual friend friend of the show ollie one of the film pod boys said said to me the other day i was like oh do you want to i can't remember what i was asking him to do, do you want to come around or something do you come around tonight mate he's like can't tonight mate gotta stay in and uh, write my christmas list i thought he was joking but he wasn't the <laughs> <a> 33 year old <laughs> man yeah but anyway yes we'll uh we'll hopefully uh we'll be dropping an episode on christmas day but i hope everybody has a a great christmas uh, and we'll be back very soon uh we'll be back after Christmas or in the new year um, to talk more about what's happening in cricket around the world. Uh, I don't know where I'm going with this sentence. I've just, I've just had a text from, uh, from M who's in the other room. He's just texted, what time are you finishing with three question marks? <laughs> <laughs> oh, she sounds like she's, yeah, she's, she's quite relaxed yeah, about this whole the door. thing. Yeah. Uh, well, you can tell her that we're nearly finished, but uh, well, we haven't really touched on this tone. Um, you know, how, I was going to ask how your how your pandemic's going. Is that a bit glib? I don't know. I don't know. It's for the benefit of listeners who may not be aware. We are we continue to be kind of unbelievably, like impossibly lucky uh, in Guernsey because we have been, to all intents and purposes, COVID free uh, on the on the island since May, late April. Had no restrictions of any kind since June. So, like, I actually, I feel a bit guilty, like, you know, talking to friends and family in the UK who've just been through another lockdown. I feel a bit guilty mentioning it on here because I'm aware that, you know, virtually everybody listening to this is going to be, uh, would have been having a far tougher time. So, um, you know, we, we do, we are well aware of how lucky we are, at least for the time being, we continue to be kind of restriction free. Long may that continue. But there's, you know, obviously there's good news, hopefully, you know, on the horizon for everyone around the world with the... Uh, with the, the vaccine rollout coming. I mean, I think they're going to start immunising people this week, aren't they, in Scotland? I told you that earlier, yeah. Tone. Jabbing, they'll be yeah, jabbing, jabbing people. Yeah, away. <laughs> uh, yeah, Tuesday. Tuesday, the NHS rollout That's mad. Starts. That is actually mad. Um, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see... <laughs> interesting is probably not the right word. Um, it's hard to predict kind of how how quickly that will change the picture and what it, you know what it means for everyone but i mean i guess you know from a sporting perspective what it you know what it means for sport how quickly things will return to something like normal mm. well yeah we we don't know do we but um it, well interestingly they are selling tickets for the test matches uh, next summer aren't they in the uk so they're kind of assuming that um things will be back to normal enough to well i think we should try and get over i'm keen for a day well, I, you know i do think that's gonna happen i know a lot of people and maybe we have a skewed perspective on this having effectively been um living outside the pandemic for for a long time but there are a lot of people sort of saying like oh well will people go back you know will it ever go back to normal because will people be sort of traumatized and not want to go back into big social gatherings and things i mean our experience here albeit after a far shorter lockdown was that people pretty much instantly yeah. snap back into the way things were before and no one really thinks about the fact that we're just going in and out of crowds and into shops and things with no masks and no social distancing but and I just do, I think people are going to want to, as soon as it's safe, people are going to want to go and do those things that they haven't been able to do. I, thought, like, I think we're going to have a roaring 20s now. Yeah. Because I think people will want to go out and live their lives. Um, 
we'll see, you know, I might, I might be wrong, but I do, you know, I, if the vaccine rollout goes well, I really do think there will be packed houses at um, test matches next summer. Yeah, 100%. From, from our yeah, experience here, definitely. Mm. I don't, yeah, I don't think people, I mean, may, maybe some people will, will think differently, but not enough to, mm. to, to make things look any different to how they were before, I don't think. Yeah. I mean, it's probably worth saying, like, you know, as I say, we are we're well uh, sort of cognizant of how lucky we are here, but it's not, it's not like it's been plain sailing, you, you know, for us either. I mean, I, I haven't seen my family for a year now, and, you know, they've not seen Teddy um, for, you know, since, since he was a tiny baby and he's now 18 months old. So, you know, we're, it's certainly not without its challenges. Um, but, yeah, I, I, yeah, just hope for, for, for all our sakes that... Um, this vaccine rollout goes well and we can all get back to normal definitely all right well we'll be back uh, very soon in the meantime if you enjoy the show get involved on social media we're on facebook we're on twitter we're on instagram i'm sure you'll find us at cricket show i've told you follow us on <laughs> follow us at Ashes daily yeah just get involved <laughs> i think we should revive that next winter for sure, for sure. um send us an email worldcricketshow at gmail.com and if you enjoy the show then do uh, leave us a rating and a review on apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to it, um, but that's about it. Well, I guess just fine. I mean, if you're interested in acquiring the domain, on the domain, the, uh, the username, <laughs> the handle. at Ashes Daily, you know, submit your closed seal bids. <laughs> our, our DMs are open. <laughs> Do we know, I wonder what email address. Must Slide be. into our DMs um, with an offer. Well, we, got, we really, you know, really put some long, long yards into that. Long, young lads, long yards. Uh, we've got zero. We're following zero accounts, and we've got eleven followers on Ashes Daily. <laughs> Who are the eleven followers? They've been, they've really uh, been a bit really short-changed over the last ten years. All right. Well, cheers, Dane. Have a great Christmas, everyone. Stay in school, stay safe, and we'll talk to you soon. Nice one. Bye bye for now. Cheerio. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.